Hello and welcome. I'm Alexander. And I'm Simon. We're Needy in Tech, covering the latest from the IT industry with a specific focus on Microsoft and how to get actual value from technology. This is episode 135, recorded on October the 8th, 2020. You will be able to find this and our previous episodes on needyventech.com, iTunes, Spotify, and on most podcasting platforms. We should have been three. We are only two today. We are missing Tony. Yep. Um, just a few minutes before we were to record this, um, he uh, had to bow out due to uh, family reasons. So we are we're keeping fingers that uh, everything is or will be um, all right in the uh, Holopinon clan. Yeah. And I've thought about our intro to the podcast and possibly that we could change it to the latest and not always greatest news in IT. What are you trying to um, to say here? That or Are you trying to decrease people's expectations or what are you trying to achieve? I would say increase. Like everyone covers the greatest things in tech, but we can cover the not so greatest ones as well. There are so many things that I want to say about this, like not the not so greatest presenters, but I'm not going to go there. So today we're going to talk about <laughs> uh, Windows on Linux or Windows actually on Linux. Today, as we were recording just about two hours ago, AMD um, finally unveiled their Vermeer processor line, the Zen 3. There is a new Windows Insider build. And of course, since Simon is on, there is a new Configure Manager technical preview. And um, then we have a very interesting news item that is simply called Disable Edge. <laughs> Which is completely wrong. <laughs> because it should say Disable Internet Explorer, correct? I've now changed it. Yes, you have. There is a site called Slashdot.org, which is one of my favorite news items sites. And it had a, I was about to say rant, but it was more of an op-ed from Eric S. Raymond, that he's one of the, the old men, if you will, of the uh, open source community. And he said this. So if you're a Microsoft corporate strategist, what's the profit maximizing path forward given all these factors? It is this. Microsoft Windows becomes a Proton-like emulation layer over a Linux kernel, with the layer getting thinner over time as more of the support lands in the mainline kernel sources. So he's basically saying that it would not be such a, a horrible idea for Microsoft to stop doing Windows and adding the, again, the, the Windows as a, a emulation layer on a Linux kernel. Because as we've been talking about more than once, Windows is no longer the driving force for the, the revenue for Microsoft. That is the cloud stuff. What's your view on this? I find it very, very interesting as, a, as an idea. I'm going to be very honest now. When you first said it, I was like, no, that's just insane. What, what can that possibly bring to the table? And then I realized that the only reason why I thought so were that... I want to keep Windows as Windows for no other reason than that it feels right. And that feeling is probably the most stupid feeling I've had the last hour at least. So in practice, why do I like Windows? 
Well, the security features, I like the user interface and the ability to do multitasking and such. But I don't care if it's a Windows core or a Linux kernel. I couldn't care less. I want the experience and I want the security. And if you can bring that to me by using a Linux kernel, all good. If that means that you can put that money somewhere else. That, that's the crux of this. If you can give it to me in a Linux kernel or something else, I don't care what's underneath. And I think that's that's going to be something going forward. I don't know if it's going to happen. I don't think anybody really knows. But it's an interesting, it's an interesting thought to to entertain. If you would continue that thought process and look at it from a Windows Server perspective as well, and then to the cloud, what would that change on Windows mean for Azure? Since Azure runs on Windows, at least partly. Does it now? I have no clue. That's what I've heard. Well, I, I'm, I'm going to be completely honest. I don't know. I was under the impression that the majority of what's underneath Azure is really not Windows. Um, it might not be Linux either. I mean, if you really, really want to, to say that, then... then um, SpaceX is running Linux in their Dragon capsule. Yeah. It, I mean, yes, it might be Linux, but it's definitely not Linux, if you get my, my idea. Yeah. So yep. I don't know, but yes, I, I agree completely. And considering the fact that the vast majority of VMs on uh, Azure are running Linux, so yeah. First and foremost, an interesting proposal. Mm -hmm. I, I can agree that it makes sense. And I also think it's important for us as Microsoft people to do exactly what I did. What do you really care about? Yeah, question your motives, yeah. Yeah, and, and just don't go with your gut feeling that, no, this is horribly wrong. Because there are so many things that I've felt have been horrible, horribly wrong with what Microsoft have done. And things that I felt, oh, this is great. Windows Phone. Which apparently weren't that great. So did I mention that I found a colleague of mine who is rocking his Windows phone and still thinks it is the best thing ever? That someone thinks that it's the best thing ever, I can completely agree on. The security aspect of that, however, I do question. <laughs> yes. Circling back to the whole Linux part, because there's one thing that came out of Ignite that has not gotten very, very much uh, press, if you will. And that is that the Windows subsystem for Linux will be supporting graphical UI applications on, on Linux, on Windows. And that is something that is huge. I remember vividly spending so much time just getting the, the UI emulation to work on Windows without buying thousands and thousands of dollars in emulation software. This was a super expensive niche product for many, many, many years. And now it is coming on the free Windows subsystem for Linux. I am actually looking forward to that. Yeah, and we did talk about it during build, if I'm not mistaken. We touched on it. Yeah. Did they announce when it's coming out? I don't think so. No. No. But but they are working, still working on it. And I think that, again, would be a benefit. Like, again, you should be able to run the software you like. And, and if you look at it, 
that's a quite interesting thing as well. Since you now can run Hyper-V on ARM, on Windows, will you be able to run your Linux applications on ARM, on Windows? Find out in this raffling next episode. I have no idea, but it, it, it kind of hurts my brain what you just said, but it's an interesting thought as well. And, and that would be like, again, you should be able to run whichever app you like, wherever you want to run it. That That's my view. And I think that would be greatly beneficial to be able to run Linux, Windows, across any CPU and on any operating system you like. And if you look at what ThinLink does as an example for virtualizing Linux applications, you could take that step as well and run your Linux apps on a Windows server on a Mac OS over Windows Virtual Desktop. Oh, and remind me, uh, Inception is your favorite movie, right? <laughs> oh, God. I, I, I haven't gotten out yet. No, I don't think you will ever. Also, something that just came out literally two hours ago, as of this recording, was the AMD processor in the Vermeer family, or the Zen 3. That's the 50 series, uh, or 5000 series, I should say, um, AMD processors. Have you looked at the numbers for this thing? No, since it was way too long since I last built a computer. So I'm actually, I used to be like on top of every single new CPU, graphic card, whatever. And currently the only thing I know about is our new uh, password cracking machines that just got delivered to our office. Are they based on the Threadrippers or what kind of? <laughs> no. Oh. Experimental Intel CPUs. Oh, cool. Well, these are not experimental at all. They, they're going to be available on November the 5th, and they are kicking butt, period. They are running in circles around Intel CPUs. And the TDP, or the Thermal Design uh, performance is 105 watts for the highest end 5950X. And it still sports 16 cores for the 5950X. Well, you're going to be paying for it. It's 800 bucks, but it's still mind-blowingly fast. On single-thread performance, you're looking at roughly 20 to 23, 24% better performance across the line. And this from a processor that is not very much more expensive than the Zen 2 line, which came out a few years back. So, wow, I am going to build a new machine. This one is really struggling as it is. Uh, I'm going to be building a new machine on probably the 5900, the 12 core. Super, super looking forward to uh, getting my hands on one of these beasts. Yeah, and, and I, I've always been an AMD fanboy, which I think I've said at some point that my desktop computer actually still runs amd but that cpu is now closing in on 10 years now what kind of cpu <laughs> phenom a phenom eight core yeah so it was quite high end at the time oh, and yeah. it, it, it and it still works great like it, it runs without issues at all so um and and that's the major reason for me not upgrading because it works for now but I have looked into building something seriously cool and immensely powerful again. But uh, I instead bought a very expensive video switcher. <laughs> Not to mention 
a house, which you are now tearing to bits and pieces. It's an investment. So you keep saying. But speaking of investments, and I'm, I'm very curious to hear your views on this. We all have an unhealthy amount of hardware that we no longer use. I mean, when I upgrade from this machine, I will have a fully working, pretty serious machine. What do you use that for? Because I don't think you're going to be able to sell it for any, any money, really. Have you seen what's behind my green screen? <laughs> what, what, what hardware do no, I not use? So it may well be that I can buy <laughs> your the thing is, machine. You're using your hardware to heat your house. You don't need any any other heating, really. You you have your enormous electrical bill instead. Yeah, but the rest of us. Yeah, but I think it's a good point, and I would say that I actually were able to sell quite a lot of old hardware when we moved. Really? Uh, because yeah, because they're like not for a ridiculous amount of money, uh, but at least for a couple of hundred kroners. So old. Memory sticks, CPUs. So people are still buying it because they they want it for whatever, like a first PC for their kids, whatever. And and since our spare computers still, as you say, are very well performing still, if you install Linux or even Windows 10 on them, they are perfect as a first gaming machine. They can run Minecraft. They can probably run Fortnite and such as well. Not at the highest specs, but definitely enough for an eight-year-old. And eight-year-olds shouldn't be running Fortnite. Top tip right there from the father. <laughs> and I know that many of our listeners now will be angry at me. And what else is new? <laughs> it's, it's new that other people other than my wife is mad at me. And, and there is a, a, a complete subreddit for people who are angry at Simon. It is huge. Yeah, you should uh, browse to dammitsimon.com. Pretty much, yeah. And that's dammit with two M's. What about the new Windows Insider build, though? So, a new build just came out, build 2231. And that includes some quite cool new features. Uh, one of these things is on the topic of gaming PCs, uh, that we now, when we do the out-of-box experience, the OUB experience, can will be given a choice. What should we use this computer for? And you have the choices of gaming, fi uh, family, creativity, schoolwork, entertainment, and business. And currently, it does not really impact the actual configuration, but that also points in the direction of how you can customize and get help of optimizing your device for the intended use case. Uh, could, could I just ask one thing there? So do you think this is going to be a static configuration or do you think this is pointing towards personas that you can switch the operating system between? That's a quite inter interesting proposal and I, I think that should be something for the Windows team. Um, but I don't see why you shouldn't be able to do exactly what you said to switch between the different use cases. I, I would like that. Like, if you move to entertainment, increase whatever and decrease the fan noise for the, for the movie or whatever you're watching. And for gaming, maximize performance. So I, I think that would be a, a good thing. And But you 
will possibly get like a default configuration that you start off with. And if you want to change that afterwards, go ahead. And I think especially on the hardware where Microsoft can like configure the hardware, so their surface lineup, I think this could be a huge benefit of actually getting into the hardware and optimizing the hardware and the drivers on the fly. So, which you can do now with the fairly newly released BIOS setting where you configure it to not maximize the charging. If you, like I do now, my laptop rarely leaves its dock, but it's still maximizing the battery at all times and that will wear out the battery. So on surfaces now, you can configure it to only charge it halfway and stay there. Which will... Is it specifically halfway or can you set, set 80% or so? No, it's specifically halfway. Interesting. And since we both have Teslas, I'm pretty sure that you have yours set as, as I do to charge for between 70 and, and yep, 85%. 80. Yep, absolutely. Nice. So this is the same thinking. Uh, but the main thing here is very well hidden. We saw, we, we were out for lunch today, me and Alexander. And um, when we left our coffee place, we uh, I opened up Twitter, since Alexander was a boring company at that point, uh, and I saw a tweet from Tero Alhonen, which pointed out that you now in this build have a new group policy setting, which enables you to disable Internet Explorer as a standalone browser. Yes. Because since you now can emulate Internet Explorer inside of Microsoft Edge, you really don't have any need for Internet Explorer. But up until now, you had to have it installed and available to the user. So this will enable you to um, configure it uh, so that you can emulate Internet Explorer inside of Edge. And you can't start Internet Explorer. If you try to start it, it will point you to the stable release of Edge. If you try to open a web page that requires Internet Explorer, that will open in Edge. So I think that will be a great improvement, both from a usability point of view, but also from a security point of view. Definitely from a security point of view. Okay. And while we're on the, the page of new things, what is new in the Config Manager technical preview? Oh, come on. This is the possibly the only episode ever where you don't have any news on Power BI. So couldn't I have some news on Config Manager? It's only once per month. I'm sorry, I didn't hear you there. <laughs> sure, Matt, go. So we have a new technical preview, 2010. And, and first I'm going to go on a slight rant. We can now do desktop analytics for Windows 10 Enterprise long-term servicing channel. Come on, don't use long-term servicing channel. There's like at least a desktop analytics and not productivity score as far as I can tell, but do not run long-term servicing channel on any device that's touched by a user. So I'm, I'm a bit disappointed that they are introducing new features on LTSC, honestly, but they probably have a good reason. Other than that, we now have the, we get syntax highlighting for scripting languages within the console, which is great, especially when you do 
PowerShell scripting inside of Config Manager or if you have very complex queries. Uh, so highlighting with the syntax is great. And we can also deploy a task sequence to a user. That haven't been possible previously. Uh, so a task sequence, as we have talked about a couple of times before, is a list of instructions that is traditionally used for OS deployment. But many of us have used task sequences to deploy more complex applications and such. But we haven't been able, since it's a OS deployment feature, that had made no sense to deploy that to a user. But now we are able to do that to deploy applications, which is great. And, and especially since we can have task sequences as a deployment um, type, so that if you install AutoCAD on a specific device, you can either choose to stream it to it, or you can use a task sequence to actually install it. That is one of these things that sounds like a pretty small change and more along the line of, oh, I didn't thought anybody would use that. And suddenly everybody does. Yeah, absolutely. So that's great. And um, you also have some improvements to the power plans when running said task sequences. So especially for OS deployment, you can configure it to run on the high performance power plan. Uh, and if you have devices that runs with modern standby, that power plan haven't been available, but they will now create a custom power plan that is similar to the high-performance power plan. Nice. Which will improve your uh, OS deployment times. Yeah, sounds like it. Okay, and you have been busy. Are you going to be busy? So um, I spoke to um, a former colleague of ours and, and one of my best friends, Haini Ilmarinen, uh, that is starting out as a speaker. And, well, it, it's she's just faced the Heinz effect. <laughs> So she was contacted by the, uh, the Dutch Azure user group um, about a week and a half ago. And um, they said, well, we, we just lost one of our speakers. Could you perhaps step in? Uh, we, we have an opening on, on Thursday. And she went, yeah, next Thursday is going to be perfect. And they went, no, 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 no. Uh, Thursday in two days. And that was the first step on a journey. So she's going to do five sessions in October. And that's a lot for us. And we've been at this for quite some time. But you're going to do a lot in October as well. I can see three lines right now. And do you have anything more than that? Uh, yeah. Trying to remember. I think so. <laughs> Probably. Uh, so I, I spoke yesterday at Teams Fest which was a great event, uh, really well organized. And uh, I really enjoyed talking about how to protect Microsoft Teams on Bring Your Own Devices. Uh, and I will do the same session, but in Swedish uh, next week at Teams Dagen in Stockholm, followed by Tech UG Glasgow, which have been postponed two times, but I'm, I'm really pleased to be back and uh, talk about Windows Virtual Desktop there. So I have that. And then I have a couple of other sessions coming up, both for TrueSec, but also for myself. And I also have two user groups coming up early November. So um, I'm keeping myself busy for sure. Says the guy that, again, remember, he is renovating his entire house. Yeah, and I will be posting a blog post on that experience when I have the time. Is this where, where it's, it's hard to uh, differentiate between a blog post and a rant? I, I would say that it's not 
as much a rant as a long excuse. <laughs> okay, there we have the name of this episode, The Long Excuse. <laughs> so stay tuned. But But you are also quite occupied and have a lot of ongoing and you just changed your job that is true so first i am going to when this comes out this is going to be coming out on monday and tomorrow from that perspective that is on tuesday it's going to be data mines connects and i just got an email from benny de Yagre, one of the the organizers they now have 1350 people signed up for this it is mind-blowing nice i'm going to finally be delivering the untruthful art, five ways of misrepresenting data. And it is by far the hardest session I have ever produced. It has been at times like pulling teeth. It has fought me every step of the way. So I'm super happy to finally have it done. And I'm, I'm going to be seeing how it performs. And if it doesn't perform well, I have three days to fix it because I'm going to do it again during Data Weekender on, on October the 17th. And yes, I just switched jobs. I've been here for two weeks. And I am I'm I must say that I'm pretty amazed with my new colleagues that they have not just dragged me out back because there is <laughs> that nothing was a bit rough. <laughs> well, you know me. I am about as subtle you're, as a tank. But um, you're not that horrible. I will keep you to that. I've put my fingers in pretty much every pie there is. And it is kind of an interesting situation because they are, or we are, I should say, absolute experts on integration and predominantly integration with BizTalk. I mean, th there is probably no one better in Sweden that, that does BizTalk. But the experience with doing stuff in the cloud is nowhere near the experience they have with, with BizTalk. So I'm stepping in and looking at ways to to increase this possibly a stupid question can you run BizTalk in the cloud it's not a stupid question um you can't do that as a service you can put it on a vm if you want and you can always use BizTalk to orchestrate stuff in the cloud and vice versa now i don't recommend it it <laughs> is using the wrong tools but it is doable but you might want to think about why you're doing it but there, there are so many other interesting things that you can do. I mean, here we have a ton of C-sharp developers. They know everything about integration and C-sharp. Well, what if I told you that there is something called Spark that you can run in Azure, which can do integration, and it can do C-sharp. Ta-da! So this is something that we're going to be, be discussing going forward. Nice. And, and also your doing something with snakes yeah <laughs> part of my my new job role includes uh, getting up to speed on machine learning i i have a passing knowledge of machine learning and I've, I've done some sessions on machine learning and so on and so forth but i am nowhere near accomplished in it and that is going to change because i will be really stepping up my knowledge about this and one of the main languages when it comes to machine learning and data science is Python. And Python has a few things that I have not come into contact with earlier because I'm not that good of a programmer. One of the things that just kicked my posterior up and down the block was recursion. 
and recursion means that you're calling a function is basically calling itself and this sounds weird everybody who who's worked with any high level language is now laughing their collective asses <laughs> off because this is basic stuff and here comes the moron from sweden and goes i don't get this i've had three people explain recursion to me and finally when katrina wilhelmsen explained it in it, it wasn't layman's terms this was kids terms <laughs> then finally my brain said oh oh i get it because i had over th- i had overthunk it <laughs> over yes is that even the no i i had overthought it and i think overthunk it is better i think so too yeah i overthunk it and thus i uh, kind of failed in in grasping it but with proper thinking i have now no longer overthunk it and i have grasped recursion 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 <laughs> recursion and on that recursion <laughs> i think it is time to end the show yeah I, i think that's for the best for the best and thank you so much for listening to need in tech if you have any feedback questions or would like to be part of an episode an episode an episode please reach out to us on social media or via email at podcast at needyventech.com we will be back next week next week next week and meanwhile take care bye bye